0: Good morning, welcome to His People Church and my name is Jacques and I'm carrying on this morning with the second part in a series we're doing which we've entitled Guarding Your Heart and the theme scripture that we are looking at in this series is from Proverbs 4 verse 23 which says, Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, and what does that look like? And when I was sharing this actually with my wife, when I was preparing for the first one, she immediately said, "She said, you know, guarding your heart is all about boundaries." And when she said boundaries, I was like, "Wow, that's huge!" And we looked at it last week, and I'm going to give you a bit of a recap, and we're going to build on on this uh, whole concept of boundaries. And so, just to recap. We all need boundaries. Boundaries help us keep the good in and the bad out. And boundaries help us focus on what's most important to us. I think you'd agree those are important points. I want to just tell you a story to highlight why we all need boundaries. And it's a story I heard of a counselor who had a, um, a, a parents coming in to see them about their son. And these parents were coming to see the counselor about a son that was 25 years old and they told the counselor that the son didn't feel he needed to come to counseling because he didn't feel he had feel like he had any problems and the counselor said well maybe he's right and the parents were very surprised when the counselor said that because when they told uh, they proceeded to tell the story of their son and the son they said had started exhibiting problems from a young age and when he was a teenager he got into drugs and being the good parents that they are uh, when their son was kicked out of uh, his high school they managed to find him another good school and the cycle carried on they said they they really wanted their son to have everything he needed he had lots of money at his disposal and they also they, they wanted him to have enough time to study, so they didn't require him to do any chores around the home. And, and now the son was 25 years old, he was still staying at home, he was still on drugs, and the parents didn't know what to do. And they thought the problem was with the son. And the counselor said, I don't think the problem is with the son. And the parents were still mystified. And so the counselor proceeded to explain to the parents and said to the parents, gave the parents a very good little illustration. They said, imagine your son was a neighbor and the the neighbor's yard um, needed some watering. So you put your sprinkler on and your sprinkler system now waters the neighbor's garden. And so when the neighbor goes out to look at his garden, he sees his grass is all green. He thinks his garden is fine. There's no problem. His garden is green. But meanwhile, because your sprinkler's been aiming his way, your, your garden, your grass is now dying. But, the, but this is the principle. Because you are watering the neighbor's garden, he thinks his garden's fine. He's not watering his garden. He's not taking care of his garden because you're taking, it care, taking care of it for him. And the counselor tried to tell the parents the story to highlight to them that when i say we all need boundaries the problem was the son didn't have boundaries why because the parents were taking care of their son remember last week we looked at that scripture in galatians galatians 6 verse 2 and 5 where it says uh, it, it scripture tells us to carry one another's burdens but to bear our own load and we looked at those differences and the problem was that The load that the son should be carrying, his responsibilities, his parents were taking it for him. He never faced the consequences of his bad behavior in schools when he was kicked out. He was just taken to another very nice school. He would misuse the finances that his parents were giving him by buying drugs. But the finances weren't taken away from him uh, to prevent him from buying new drugs, uh, more drugs. And so the son was totally boundaryless. And his parents were taking responsibility for stuff he should have been taking responsibility for. And so here's a story of somebody who had very bad boundaries. And unfortunately in the story, the parents, whereas the job of a parent is to establish boundaries, internal boundaries in children. You know, when a child is two years old, you don't leave your front door or front gate open allowing a little two-year-old toddler to kind of waddle out of out of the home and straight into a busy street you'd never do that you would keep the fence the the gate closed or the 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 door closed you have big strong external boundaries for a two-year-old but when your two-year-old is 20 years old you don't keep the door locked and the gate closed worrying about your 20 year old walking you know out of the home um and you trust that by 20 he has learned that listen this is now i need to be responsible and he knows how to cross a busy road etc and so what has happened you as a parent have transferred external boundaries fences and walls to internal boundaries and your 20 year old knows how to cross the street responsibly and so and so this whole responsibility of having personal boundaries and also not taking responsibility for other people who have, have bad boundaries is something we need to learn. It's actually a community project. It's something that happens in families all the time. We don't just automatically pick up our kids' clothes in, in, in their room. Now listen, if they're two, yes, you're going to help them. But when they're 20, no way, Jose. Jose. You have got to allow the child to face the consequences. He can't find clothes or his clothes are dirty or not not right because they're in a pile. And well, he's got to face those consequences. We can't take responsibility for them. And so this learning boundaries in relationships, in families, in communities is so vital. So what I want to just carry on with is look at some verses That speak about boundaries. This is Psalm twenty-three. We love it. We've looked at it. It was such a such a powerful um, verse uh, scripture that spoke to us in the beginning of twenty twenty. But I was just reading this, and I was I was reading it with the eyes of boundary statements. And I want to just read the first verse of Psalm twenty-three: "The Lord is my shepherd." Folks, you know that's a boundary statement. It is saying, who is your shepherd? Who is your leader? Who is your guide? This is a boundary statement. So you're saying the Lord is my shepherd. That means you are saying no to 10,000 other shepherds or guides or leaders who would be your supreme leader. We all actually, every person is following somebody. Some people say, well, they're following themselves. Well, you're following somebody. But this is a boundary statement. The Lord is my shepherd. It means you're not going to follow any other lords. It goes on to say in verse 3, He leads me in paths of righteousness or right paths. That's literally what it means. He leads me in right paths. Folks, that is a boundary statement. If there's a right path that you feel God is leading you in, that means you are saying no to 10,000 other paths you could be walking in. And that is true for every one of us. If you are not walking in the paths you feel God is leading you in, then, then, then which paths are you walking on? There definitely are wrong paths. But it's a boundary statement. When you say, I believe this is God's will, the Lord's prayer, um, when Jesus taught us to pray, He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When we embrace God's will, it's a boundary statement. It is It is. A, when we say, God, we committed to your will. We are, we are by by default saying we are focused in a certain direction and there are a whole of other directions we're not going to go in. And so it's so important to realize that this, this is, let me say, the righteous life is that we are aware of boundaries. And he says, for his name's sake. He's, he, he does this. And, and, and why do we walk in these paths? Ultimately, it's for his name's sake. That's another boundary statement. For his name's sake. You can do things for all, with all kinds of motivations. People have 10,000 different motivations why they do things. Why do we walk in righteous paths? For his name's sake. For the fame of his name. For that Jesus may be glorified. It's a boundary statement. There are many reasons, purposes, causes, visions, missions we can live for. But hey, for his name's sake. is one of the greatest, the greatest purposes in life. But it's a boundary statement. And how about this one? I trust you all know this. Matthew 28. The great commission, the last word Jesus spoke to his disciples. We've been inspired by these words. Generations of Christians have been inspired by these words of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. That is a boundary statement. There's Actually, there's quite a few boundary statements in this phrase. But I want to highlight this one. Go and make disciples. Folks, that is a mission statement. That is what's known as the Great Commission. You know, a commission is an, an, an authoritative Command to fulfill a particular assignment, and this has been given to the church, folks. It's a boundary statement. There are ten thousand things the Church of Jesus Christ could be focused on as the main thing that we are focusing on. But Jesus helped us. It's a boundary statement. We are wanting to help people to follow Jesus, to fish for men, and to fellowship with and, uh, with other believers. It is a boundary statement and we are thank God for that because, because the amazing thing is that as we walk in paths of righteousness, as we fulfill His commission, The very next words in in, in Matthew, Jesus said, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. The promise of his presence is related to us walking in his will, his purpose, his commission, his mission throughout the ages. And so it's so important that we just recognize that when we talk about boundaries, it is It is such a grace gift to us because if we don't have boundaries, we waste our lives. Like that 25-year-old son that is just wasting his life on drugs with no mission or purpose or direction in his life. Just wasting his life. Folks, boundaries, God-given righteous paths, a mission, a purpose. It causes our lives to count for, for eternity. And so I embrace boundaries and I trust you do as well. And so, as we go on, I just want to summarize. We looked at just some of these last time. The various boundaries we have in life. We have physical boundaries. I mean, there are physical boundaries around properties, walls, fences, and and a hedge, and and various ways we can make physical boundaries. Um, there are body boundaries. Um, you know, what is socially appropriate in terms of touching another person's body. Heart boundaries, this is the area that we're particularly wanting to focus on. There are time boundaries, being true to time. If you say you're going to meet somewhere, somebody somewhere at a certain time, it's a time boundary. Okay. Spiritual and biblical boundaries, I've highlighted from scripture, just some, some of those. Financial boundaries, Okay. relationship boundaries, legal boundaries, ETC, there are many boundaries we can look at. And I just wanted to put this on the screen again to highlight to you that this this affects so many areas of life. But as we go on, I want to just remind you we finished off last week talking about the most basic way to set boundaries is by simply saying yes or no. And I wanna I wanna just uh, fo- follow through from that. And in both uh, Matthew five thirty seven and James five twelve. It speaks about simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Such a powerful um yeah the the act of our volition, the ability to decide and say yes or no, and the fact that God has given us that ability. And 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 you know what was so interesting after I, I spoke this word, we broke into small groups. And the one lady now in, in the one group, actually Orne, who who brought the word last week, she said. She said she was she's she's a psychologist and she said her heart was suddenly touched by the reality that some people have never had the privilege or the right to be able to say yes and no in certain areas and that the very gift of being able to say yes and no has been stolen or taken away from some people and they don't even realize it And they don't exercise this powerful gift of being able to say yes and no. And so that would obviously require some some ministry. In some cases some real deep ministry. But what I want to go on and speak about. Is something called consolations and desolations. And let's just read what's on the screen. And then I'll explain a little bit more. So one of the ways God speaks to us. Is through our deepest feelings and yearnings. What Ignatius of Loyola who lived in uh, late 1400s to mid 1500s called a consolation and a desolation. So this, the, this guy, he, he started the whole Jesuit movement. He was, a, he was a monk and started this movement of monks that has had a phenomenal impact on the earth. I mean the Jesuits uh, have just been so zealous for God and, and spreading the gospel throughout for, for, for many, many years. But one of the things that he taught was this whole concept of consolations and desolations. Now remember we're talking about boundaries and I've just touched on the yes and no. And why why was I drawn to this? Because I'm wanting to highlight what areas, how do we highlight areas that we need to establish boundaries? Or to put it another way, that we need to firm up our yes or our no. And I'm coming to this because this was so helpful to me when I first heard about uh, these consolations and desolations. It's a way that we can, we can identify areas that we need to firm up on boundaries. And so let's just look at constellations and desolations. And so what I'm doing, putting up a table. On this side will be the consolations and this side will be the desolations. And so firstly, what are consolations? Consolations are things or experiences or relationships or scenarios or um, situations that we find ourselves in that fill us with joy, life, energy and peace. Okay, I'm sure most of you could say, okay, I'm into consolations. What are desolations? They drain us and make us feel lifeless, angry, resentful, guilty fearful etc can you kind of see that when we talk about desolations this is probably where most of you would not want to live but the important thing is i want you to highlight is that they're quite different and i hope you are realizing that we are wanting to say yes to consolations and we are wanting to establish boundaries that we can say no to to desolations. So let's just unpack it a little bit more. Consolations would encourage us and fill us with hope. Desolations discourage us and leave us hopeless. Um, Consolations connect us more deeply in key relationships whereas desolations disconnect us from key relationships. Key relationships would be a relationship with God, with significant people in our lives and even with ourselves. Consolations inspires us to go for our dreams and things that are important to us. Whereas desolations makes us want to give up on our dreams and things that used to be important to us. So important. When, when there's the sense of, I want to give up, just note, are you experiencing desolations in your life? On the next slide, consolations restores balance and refreshes our inner vision. Now this you'll understand better when you look at what the desolation is. Desolations takes over our whole consciousness and crowds out our distant vision. Often when you go through a desolation, the classic example would be a significant loss in your life, loss of a loved one, or the loss of a, a, a dream, or a, a loss of a relationship or a, or a betrayal. Or, uh, or, or, or when you when you slandered uh, or, or gossiped about by somebody close to you these things can hit you and and look what it says uh, we, we and it consumes your whole consciousness you you can't really think about anything else folks that is a desolation and then finally consolations directs our focus to others beyond ourselves Causes us to live beyond ourselves, whereas desolations cause us to be inward focused, and often become very defensive. So, so I'm very aware that sometimes we go through things that are they're beyond our control, and it's not something that we could say no to. Circumstances happen, uh, people do things that are sometimes inexplicable, and they just they have a big impact on us. They are beyond our control. What happens? But how we respond is always up to us. And so sometimes the boundaries are not the reality of changing necessarily circumstances, but it, it is a big impact on how we respond ourselves. And so, so Ignatius taught his followers a prayer called the Examen, And um, I've just put it up there. The prayer of the Examen. And how, how he explained it, he said, and this was his thing, he says, when we experience consolations or desolations, often we want, we, we may be busy, we keep going, etc. But we need to slow down. And the prayer of the examining is exactly that. He would encourage people at the end of the day to slow down, come before the Lord in silence and solitude, and examine your day. That's why it's called the prayer of examine. It's going to do exams. The prayer of examine is you be still your heart. And you and you, before God, go through your day, and you highlight areas where you've experienced consolations or desolations. Consolations where there's been life, and it's been it's been just life-giving, and obviously desolations where it's just the opposite of that. And he would encourage his followers, the Jesuits, to to take time to examine their day where these places have occurred now when we talk about boundaries the the, the idea would it's not just you identifying. you can say sure that experience that encounter with that person that thing i went through there it's not just identifying whether it's a consolation or a desolation when you understand boundaries you're going to say okay i need to limit maybe you can't limit your interaction with a particular person who's very toxic but you could maybe i mean it may be because it's a colleague or even a boss and but you could limit your response to them you the time you take thinking and musing about what they said and how they said it and and etc their bad attitude absolutely and so the boundaries would be internal boundaries It may be that you could make an external boundary and actually limit your exposure to something very negative. Um, uh, Maybe in the workplace there's a negative um, situation or negative people and you could physically distance yourself. But remember, sometimes it's external boundaries but most often the most important boundaries are internal boundaries in terms of limiting how much time you give to that thing in your inner talk and your th- own personal thought life. So I've I found this so helpful to identify areas we need to say yes to and areas we need to say no to in terms of boundaries. So let's go on. And I want to just ha- highlight a couple of things about this yes and saying yes and saying no. And the first thing is this, that saying Yes to the good or to God is absolutely vital. Now we looked at these scriptures last week. Revelation 3.20 and John 1 verse 12. Revelation 3.20 is Jesus literally standing at the door of our heart. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. I've highlighted this aspect of opens the door. We just did the Alpha course and they shared a beautiful painting that was done many years ago of this exact verse, of this door and Jesus standing at the door. And when the artist painted the door, there was no handle on the door. And somebody asked the artist and said, no, 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 there's something wrong with this painting. That door needs a handle. And the artist said, no, 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 no. The door does not have a handle on the outside. It only has a handle on the inside. And Jesus is humbly standing and respects the reality that we have doors on the inside we can say yes to certain things and no to certain things and this is so important that we learn to open the door to jesus and say yes to him and if there's resistance and it's like why not we need to examine that because god is good and everything that god has for us is good and so we've got to watch if there are places and spaces that we are actually keeping the door closed to Jesus. The second verse says, yeah, yeah, to all who receive him. If somebody knocks on the door, you've got to receive them. You've got to open the door. That's what you do to a guest. You receive a guest. Just highlighting the powerful, powerful privilege we have of saying yes and no. And I mean, I, I just remember recently I was speaking to one of our leaders and um, they were they were having a connect group and i literally saw them they were coming to church and they were walking with a group of a group of folks and and the leader came to church and and they walked into church and i greeted them and and i actually heard afterwards and and this leader uh, she said she was literally walking with some students and she was coming to connect group at church and she was speaking to them about coming to connect group and i was like well why didn't they come and she said you know they said that no, they decided they were going to checkers. They were taking a walk to checkers, not to buy anything, just because they felt walking to checkers. And I, I went in. I was busy at church, and I went in, and there were a couple of students there, and they were they were doing the Alpha course. And I remember listening as I was in the hall, listening to the video, and just listening to the teaching again that they were watching there, and thinking this is such good stuff. And I just got to think about. There were a bunch of students who just walked past. It was a Friday afternoon. They walked past. There was an open invitation for them to come and listen to amazing God stuff. To say yes to Jesus. And they turned it down to rather walk to checkers and just to go for a walk to checkers. I mean, you can walk to checkers any day of the week. But to come and to listen to that amazing teaching and amazing discussion around. And I was, I was so struck by the fact that These folks had literally said no to an open invitation to to have their lives deeply impacted by Jesus and they said no to it and I was like, wow, wow, what, what, what is, what is going on inside a person's heart that they would, that they would say no to Jesus when he knocks, when he's knocking and when he, when he invites. What would cause people not to receive him? And, and I'm not sure I, I exactly know the answer. I'm just highlighting and, and connecting with this reality that we need to say yes to the good and, and no to stuff that's not good. Next point I want to make is 2 Corinthians 6 verse 11 to 13. Very interesting scripture. And this is Paul the Apostle. He had been to Corinth spent like two years they established the church and he's writing in his second letter to them he writes here and he says he says we've spoken freely to you corinthians and opened wide our hearts to you we are not withholding our affection from you but you are withholding yours from us as a fair exchange i speak as to my children open wide your hearts also open wide your hearts also here is an amazing scripture where paul is saying my heart is totally open to you guys but your hearts are not open to to us he's saying listen can can you open your hearts to us that's what he's saying it's this whole thing of saying yes he's saying say yes to me i'm bringing you god stuff i'm bringing you good stuff open your hearts to us and it's again just this the this This reality that the Bible is calling us to say yes. And a boundary, remember we're talking about boundaries, not just walls that don't have doors in them. Any boundary, this room that I'm in right now, it has walls which define the boundaries of this room, but it has a door. And the door is there to keep the bad out and let the good in. And if we get that wrong, we can get really messed up. And I'm so struck by the the reality that some people so consistently say no to the good instead of saying yes to the good and no to the bad. On this next verse, I want to highlight something that I don't think we, 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 we often realize. That a door which is in a boundary can let good in and keep bad out but it also needs to let bad out and that's what i put over here opening the door to let the bad out folks there's sometimes that we need to cleanse the vessel we need to be cleansed and experience the cleansing that jesus paid for us at the cross of calvary and this is an important aspect. 1 John 1 verse 9 in the Passion it says, But if we freely admit our sins, most translations say confess our sins. I like the word admit. When His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. Every time He'll forgive us. But what do we need to do? We need to admit. We need to come to God and say, God, forgive me. Whatever, for a hard heart. Forgive me, Lord, that I have been resisting you. Forgive me that, fill in the dot. This aspect of admitting to the Lord and, and cleansing our hearts is so important. And it's such a vital aspect of boundaries. That, that I've, I've actually, I'm, I haven't found that many people, when they teach on boundaries, actually talk about this, about letting the bad out. And this scripture is also so lovely. In Colossians 3.13 it says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Folks, there's nothing that cleanses like forgiveness. It is one of the most powerful spiritual truths and realities you'll experience in your life is the power of forgiveness. It cleanses like you won't believe. And it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The standard of forgiveness, our benchmark for how much forgiveness is how Jesus has forgiven us. So I want to go on. And I want to submit to you that the armor of God, God has given to us as personal boundaries to protect us. I've often spoken about the armor of God. I trust you know about it. Paul the Apostle is sitting in jail and he is chained to a Roman soldier that is dressed in the armor of God. And he looks at this armor of this Roman soldier and he, and he says this, this armor that this guy is wearing is like our spiritual armor. But I want to submit to you, what is, what is armor? Armor to a soldier is a physical boundary on his body To protect him from harm. A breastplate would be a piece of metal that would be strapped to the chest of a a soldier. That is a boundary to protect the soldier from any assegai or weapon or arrow aimed at him. A helmet is a boundary over the head to protect the head. And so when we look at the armor of God, folks, God has given us this. Can you see his desire for us to guard our hearts, for us to guard our inner being? He's given us armor to do this. And, and you know, the, the obvious thing that people always say about the armor of God is that there's only one attacking aspect, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But if you look at the overwhelming emphasis on protecting us, it speaks about, and let's just read the scripture, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Folks, don't leave any part of it out. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Folks, why don't so many Christians, I believe, why aren't they standing? Because they haven't kept their boundaries up, they haven't kept their armor on stand verse 14 says stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth now the belt of truth would literally it would keep the breastplate on it, it was it was key in terms of keeping it all together truth folks if we don't walk in truth it all falls apart our armor literally falls off our body we have to stay in the truth truth is a boundary that protects us it is so vital protects us from lies what's the opposite of truth Untruth or lies. The enemy, remember, is defined in Scripture as the father of all lies. If we don't walk in truth, folks, all our armor just falls off. We have to walk in the truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember, the breastplate would protect the heart. I mean, it would be the most obvious thing to protect the heart of a soldier. Remember, but but your 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 inner being, and it's a breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness that Jesus purchased for us at the cross cross of Calvary. We've got to walk in that. And shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You know, folks, in in battle, you have two options. You You either advance against the enemy or you are retreating. And there is a time that you actually, you get out of there. And having the shoes that you can move, because remember, in those ro- ro- rocky, rocky terrain, you couldn't just run on those barefooted. The shoes enabled you to move either advance or retreat effectively and fast in either direction. And so it's part of the armor. Um, and then it goes on to say, verse sixteen: All circumstances, circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one faith is so important it's such an important boundary to walk in faith in the last year and a half i believe for so many christians and i know for me it has been i've had to warfare for faith i've had a warfare to keep my shield of faith up to quench the fiery darts of the evil one coming and saying You know, whatever, you know, all the lies, the enemy, all the negative stuff about, I I don't want to, I don't want to voice the lies, the enemy, because faith quenches it. Faith, when a lie comes, says, no, I'm not going to believe that. It quenches it literally like a bucket of water on a flaming, on a fire. That is what faith does. And then finally, which um, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. What does the helmet do? The helmet protects our thought life. It is one of the key battlegrounds, the enemy, is our thought life. We have the she uh, a helmet to protect our thought life. The helmet of salvation. Folks, if you are saved, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We have got to think saved thoughts. We have been saved transformed and and transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love we need to think kingdom thoughts salvation thoughts we cannot afford to think the enemy's thoughts and then verse 17 goes on and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God we're going to speak the word of God uh, against the onslaughts of the enemy as Jesus did in his temptation can you see boundaries all over you this is this is a classic boundary scripture folks God has enabled us to 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 walk in victory with all these elements of the armor of God but finally and this is my favorite one the reality is that God is our ultimate boundary protector folks there are times you know where it's like, God, where's the, where's the armor right now? Oh, God, well, yo, what, what, what's missing here? <laughs> Folks, there are times that we just hide in God. That we literally, and this, we take refuge in Him. And this is just one verse. Psalm 91 verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. A refuge is a place you go and run and hide in. He's my refuge and my fortress. Folks, What better description of a boundary than a fortress? I mean, to be in a castle or a fort, that is the biggest, fattest boundaries you can think of. Huge, big stone walls, impenetrable defenses. You feel safe in a fortress. That is what our God is to us, folks. He's our fortress. We take refuge in Him. We run. We hide Him. He's our fortress. There are times, telling you, it's like, oh, God, where's that armor? Folks, we run into God. He is our fortress, my God in whom I trust. And folks, how do we enter the fortress? By trusting him. It's so simple. By faith. By faith. That is how we enter. We find refuge in God. And, and we rest in the fortress that is our God. God is our ultimate boundary protector. Let me pray for you. So God... I pray that you would be the refuge of every single person who's listening to this message, Lord. Be their refuge, Lord. Be their fortress. God, may they know how big and powerful the walls of your protection are around them, Lord. May we know the safety of your protection, God. You are our boundary, Lord, our ultimate boundary. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.